The big ideas of this section all concern vectors, what they are, how you represent them, and how you work with them, adding them together, multiplying them by constants, or finding their length, which we call their magnitude, or which way they're pointing, which we call their direction. These representations and techniques are all very relevant to understanding complex numbers, which is the subject of the next section, and that's why we made this section all about vectors. After reading this section, you should have a good idea about what a vector quantity is, how it's different from a scalar quantity in that it has both magnitude and direction, and you should understand how to add vectors both graphically and using the algebraic approach. The graphical approach is illustrated in figure 1-4, in which vectors a and b are added simply by displacing the vector b so that its tail, that is the end not with the arrowhead on it, is at the head of vector a. So you slide it along without changing its direction or its length, and then once it reaches its new position, you draw a vector from the beginning of vector a to the end of vector b, and that represents the sum vector, which we've called c in the b part of figure 1.4. Multiplying a vector by a scalar is a very straightforward operation. That's shown in figure 1.5, in which the vector a is first of all multiplied by a half, and all that changes is its length. Multiplying by a scalar does not change the direction of the vector as long as the scalar is positive. If the scalar happens to be negative, then it does reverse the direction of the vector. But for all positive scalars, multiplying that scalar by a vector simply changes the length of the vector. You can see that when we multiply vector a by 4, the vector becomes 4 times longer. But in the b part of the figure, you can see that when the vector b is multiplied by minus 3, it not only gets 3 times longer, its direction reverses. So adding two vectors together and multiplying by a constant is a pretty straightforward operation. But to really understand vectors in a way that will help you understand complex numbers, it's a good idea to understand vector components and unit vectors. Those are illustrated in figure 1.6, in which you can see vector a has components a sub x and a sub y. A sub x tells you how far along the x-axis vector A extends, and A sub y tells you how far along the y-axis A extends. You can think of a light shining down on vector A, and it projects vector A onto the x-axis. That gives you A sub x. And if the light were shining from the right, it would project vector A onto the y-axis, and that would give you A sub y. Now, in order to write those vector components and add them together to give you vector A, you have to use the unit vectors shown in the B part of figure 1.6. That's the little I hat and J hat, which are simply directional indicators which show you the direction of the x-axis, that's I hat, and the direction of the y-axis, that's J hat. So you can think of vector A as being the sum of two other vectors. That's shown in the C part of the figure, where those two other vectors are A sub x times I hat. Remember, A sub x is a scalar, I hat is a vector. So we've simply taken the unit vector I hat and multiplied it by A sub x. That gives a vector lying along the x-axis. Likewise, a sub y times j hat gives you a vector pointing in the y direction. When you add those two vectors together, you get the vector a. So you can see how that looks mathematically in equation 1.7. There you see vector a is a sub x times i hat plus a sub y times j hat. Once you've got the vector a in this form, pretty straightforward to find its length and its direction. You can see how to find the length in equation 1.8, in which you simply square the x part, add it to the square of the y part, and take the square root. Had there been a z part, we would have added in a sub z squared as well. Once you make that addition and take the square root, you've got the length or the magnitude of vector a. 
Likewise, to get the direction, you can see in equation 1.9, you get the angle theta. This is from the positive x-axis measured anti-clockwise by taking the arctan of the y component divided by the x component. Now remember, whether the answer theta comes out in degrees or radians depends on how you've got your calculator set. So if you've got it set to radians, when you take that ratio and punch the arctan button, you'll get an angle theta in radians. But if your calculator is set to degrees, when you punch the arctan button, you'll get an answer in degrees. The other caveat that goes with this is that a sub x, that is the denominator of the arctan function, if that is negative, you need to add 180 degrees to the answer when you get theta. Or if you're in radian mode, you need to add pi to the answer to get the angle from the positive x-axis measured anti-clockwise. But the really useful thing about vector components is how you can use them to add two vectors together, and that's illustrated in equation 110 and figure 1.7. If vector c represents the sum of a and b, to get the x part of vector c, you simply add the x part of a to the x part of b. Likewise, to get the y part of the sum vector c, you simply add the y part of a to the y part of b. This is the algebraic approach to vector addition that's really helpful when it comes to understanding complex numbers, which are the subject of the next section. As always, we strongly recommend that you work through, don't just read, but actually work through an example like that at the end of this section to make sure you understand these concepts.